everybody, and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. I am one of your hosts, Trey, and I am joined today by my co-host, Jagger. Jagger, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm very tired. How are you? I am just the same. Um, as we were recording this, this is uh, Friday night, um, so usually we'd have the episode out uh, about noon today, but we've just both been super busy this week, I think, um, and just haven't uh, gotten around and had the time to record, um, and so we were recording Friday night. We both, uh, I worked all day, Jagger uh, was busy in the city all day, so um, we apologize if we are a bit more quiet this episode, but that might be the vibe we all need. So today, we are back to our IMDb Top 250 series. Uh, coming in at number 243, we are reviewing The Sound of Music. So The Sound of Music came out in 1965, starring... Uh, it's directed by Robert Weiss. Um, it's starring Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer, Eleanor Parker. Um, but our, the real draw to the film is uh, Julie Andrews. It has, uh, as far as critical response goes, it has 4.1 overall on Letterboxd, a Metacritic of 63 out of 100, uh, an 8.1 uh, on IMDb. I thought I had the Rotten Tomatoes somewhere. I think it was like a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't remember where I wrote that. Um, so some of the uh, criticisms it got, it was criticized for being uh, the sugar-coated lie that people seem to want to eat and de designed for the five to seven uh, and their uh, mommies. Um, but some of the positive reviews it got were, uh, here are some quotes, three hours of visual and vocal brilliance, um, and it won, it won Oscars for Best Picture, Director, Film Editing, Scoring of Music, which I'm not 100% sure if that's the same as score, um, or it might be the same as, like, it might be, like, Best Soundtrack, so, like, specifically for musicals, um, and Best Sound. Um, it was the highest-grossing film of 1965. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this film has been done. This is originally um, about, well, the synopsis is a tomboyish postulant in, at an Austrian abbey becomes a governess in the home of a widowed naval captain with seven children and brings a new life of, a new love of life and music into it, into the home. Um, so this is based on the story uh, or on the book written by Maria von Trapp, who is our main character in this story. Um, called, the book is called uh, Von Trapp Family Singers. This was actually not the first time this story was made um, for the stage. Uh, it was, it had two films, uh, two film ad adaptations uh, made in Germany in the early 1950s, and then uh, Warner Bros. bought the script and made it into a musical, wanting to cast Audrey Hepburn, um, who we all know from uh, Roman Holiday and uh, stuff stuff like that. Um, really famous uh, 50s movie star. They wanted to cast her uh, in the Broadway musical as Maria, but they ended, cast, ended up casting Mary Martin. And then... In the uh, early 60s, Paramount uh, 
I believe it was Paramount, bought this script and turned it into a feature-length film. Um, so that's just a little background about the film for you. Uh, um, yeah, I think Jagger, we, uh, yeah, you gave this a four and a half. Um, so I think we both hold this just as highly. Um, I gave it a four and a half for a 87 out of a hundred. Um, Jagger, um, do you want to kick us off with a few of your thoughts so far and I'll, I'll bring in a few of mine. Um, yeah. So my thoughts, uh, I want to quickly bring up the family, like the Von Trapp family, um, and also the fact that this was a technical marvel for its time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got your landscape and your cinematography, which are obviously gorgeous. A soundtrack yep. that, in my review, I said this, I've been singing this soundtrack for years. I've probably sung yeah. my favorite things hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. No, cl- no clue it was from this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that family was, it was a very funny, it had a lot of funny moments to spark out of their family. Um, yeah. The little one, Gretel, the five-year-old, was oh the- Oh my gosh, she's so cute. The cutest person I've ever seen in a movie ever. Yeah. Um, but back to the technical stuff, when, mm-hmm. when the kids are singing to his- fiance is it uh yeah yeah the baroness yeah um, the weird blonde lady who manipulates maria and is like you need to go back to the abbey he loves you but i love him and we're like come on no that's not what we want yeah uh that when the camera pans to him and shows him it starts yeah the lens goes soft like they put a soft filter on it to show that yeah. he's softening up towards her which i think is a really cool thing for a movie at this time to do you know yeah um also yeah, if we're going for sure. on if we're going on the note of the funny moments when he's reading off the rules to her about like what they're instructed to do there's one point mm-hmm. where he says they're supposed to march about the grounds breathing heavily that made me chuckle yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's so many songs in that movie that are just great. But we'll get into the songs after. Um Yeah, I mean, I think you hit all the notes about this film. It's it's wholesome, it's warm. Um I mean, I grew up with this film. I know this was your first time viewing. Um but we I mean, we my grandparents had this on VHS. My mom had this on Blu-ray. So, I I grew up watching this film. Um, singing a song, singing along with Julie Andrews, um, who, for me, was a standout performance. I thought she was just outstanding, uh, as she is in everything. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, not only the, the, the technical aspects, but the cinematography. Well, I guess that is a technical aspect, but some of these shots in this film were absolutely outstanding. And the sound mixing um, was also unbelievable. Um, at least, at least for me, I quite enjoyed that bit. Um, and I think that this is so. As I said earlier, this movie was criticized to be. Uh, this is a this is an actual quote from a review uh, from after it 
uh, debuted in New York. Um, this is the sugar-coated lie that people seem to want to eat. Um, so this obviously, it deals with some heavy subject matter. Um, it takes place during early World War One, uh, and uh, specifically when Germany was coming in and taking uh, over Austria. Or did I say World War One? I? I mean World War Two. Yeah, um, I was gonna say when, that. That can't be right. No, it takes place during early World War Two, um, and when the Third Reich, all the Nazis, um, boo Nazis, by the way, uh, were coming in. Uh, to take over Austria. And so this was a hard time for a lot of people who love their country so much and their country is changing so much. And and there's people being killed and, and people being forced to do things. And there, there was just a lot of not good stuff around. And this is obviously, again, this is a family movie. This is not like a lot of World War II movies you see. This isn't Hacksaw Ridge. This isn't Saving Private Ryan. The, the, this movie isn't out to make you depressed. World War II is just a background event that is happening. This movie is about the Von Trapp family. Um, and so, I mean, for me, I think, I think, it's, it, it, I think that's what it's trying to do. It, it's it, like World War II is, is just like this thing that, that, that it's an obstacle for them. But it is not the subject of the film. Um, the Von Trapp family is the subject of the film. And, and it deals with themes of redemption and reconciliation and, and love and um, the power of music, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Um, and I love seeing it when films uh, deal with that. Um, specifically when you... So when, like you were talking about that scene where uh, the uh, captain comes back, Georg comes back, um, and he, they are singing to the Baroness and he, he hasn't heard singing. Um, he hasn't heard them singing since his wife died. Uh, so, and just like you watch all these guards and all this, just all this, uh, all these guards and all this ice he's put up and all these walls he's put up over himself to protect himself. And he's become this very like on a guy with his kids you know like this is how it's going to be done and we're not going to have any fun and it's going to be miserable you see like that shot that you were talking about i think is unbelievable and christopher Plummer does such a stellar job in that scene because you see all those walls and all all those emotions start to come down and and you see like who he really is and 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 you see like this warmness that isn't shown in this character before um, and that was that was a really impactful scene for me um, and a really great example of great acting um, because you see a lot of like great actors will do these big dramatic moments like when you talked about great acting performances you talk about Daniel Day Lewis and there will be blood screaming uh, I've abandoned my boy or or uh, Adam Driver in the yelling scene and marriage story or um, uh, uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker in the interrogation scene. But what you don't hear about is these acting performances where these they're these tiny little things. And I watched a YouTube video praising uh, this the other day where it's these tiny little things or emotions or things they do with their face that show so much. And this is one of those scenes. 
that you're able to see like all this the years of pain and 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 uh despair and and all the walls that he's put up to to protect himself to be the, like the man of the house um you see it just all melt away and christopher Plummer is just to show that with just like like one or two minute facial uh expressions and i just find that so impressive so i'm wondering um what, what like did you notice that and if you did what was it like for you or or anything like that i think christopher Plummer did a great job i think he did an incredible job and i also think that at this time that kind of acting is almost i'd say not really expected out of a movie because they're at that time focusing on a good like plot uh a movie that's appealing to an audience and it's appealing well to that audience and that's all they're really caring about at this time and he delivers a great performance and by god can he sing i mean yeah dude everybody in this movie Everyone in this movie is a great singer, and usually when you go into musicals, there's at least one, one bad apple, you know, like uh, like Russell Crowe and Les Mis. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Russell Crowe. That was rough. That was a rough watch. (laughs) But yeah, he did really, really good, and I think that he pulled everyone in this movie really pulled it together. And that's what made this stand the test of time as a movie from that time. Unlike Persona, this was actually really, really great for that time and was an exceptional display of what people were capable of in a movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and like, I haven't watched this movie since I was uh, 10 years old. Um, yeah, I was like 10 or 11. So like obviously I was not I mean, you're an exception, Jagger. You've been extremely knowledgeable of films since you were came out of the womb. Um, but obvi- like 10-year-old Trey wasn't he was kind of a bumbling idiot, so he wasn't like really like, "Wow, this one scene and this one shot is outstanding." Oh my god. But like or um I was just like, wow, this music bangs. I'm just gonna listen to this at school tomorrow. Um but now it's like uh I I watched it and I found myself like Julie Andrews is obviously our main character, and I don't want to discount her uh performance at all. I think she did a stellar job. Um I think she was absolutely outstanding. Um but she's not the character that brought me in. The character that brought me into this film made me put down my phone and 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 give my full one hundred percent attention to this film is Georg, Christopher Plummer's character. I thought he was written so well. I thought he was such an interesting character, and you get to see like Julie Andrews, you get to see a character arc. You get to see her go from this uh like very exuberant like oh what's the world gonna be like to 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 uh this confident woman and and all this stuff um and that's great but i found myself invested much more in christopher Plummer's arc uh with him being like this cold uh kind of kind of uh i don't know emotionless uh military man whose wife had had died to this warm uh, loving, uh, full of emotion, father, and I found that to be much more interesting. And and 
Uh, I, yeah, I th again, it just comes back to Christopher Plummer. He did a stellar, stellar job. Um, yeah, but I was wondering for you, like, who was your favorite character? Like, who drew you in the most? Who were you mo most interested in, in? Motherfucker. Interested in seeing. Um, and, like, seeing their character arc. Um, I think uh, Christopher Plummer did a great job. Julie Andrews did a great job. And I think those are the two standout performances. But one mm -hmm. little detail that I noticed, and maybe this is just my mind kind of spiraling, and it has nothing to do with performances. Yeah. In the Maria song, one of those nuns, and I am having a lot of trouble finding who it is, mm -hmm. looked identical to Sarah Silverman, and it bu bugged me that entire song. Um, For real? Dead I'll have to go back and watch that tonight. <laughs> it's like uncanny. But I also want yeah. to point out a bit of a curveball performance with mm -hmm. someone who didn't seem to act after. Charmian Carr. Butchering that name, 100%. Liesel. Oh, yeah, the uh, uh, lady who played Liesel. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was like... She had an interesting character um, that doesn't get brought up nearly as much, and I understand mm -hmm. why. She's not one of your main two, but yeah, she does have some genuinely good moments as the character, mm -hmm. um, and that I wrote down uh, best first kiss in all of cinema question mark in my notes, because that was like a, that was a cute scene, and you I, I I liked her character. What's where where uh she snuck where out. Rolf, yeah, where Rolf sings that super misogynistic song to her about how she needs a man and she can't survive without a man and uh how a man needs to do everything for her and protect her. That scene? Exactly. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh Jagger, you make me laugh. No, yeah, and I think I think if you take out the subtext of that song, um, and, and which it's obviously very very dated, um, yes. but if you take out the subtext of that song, it is it is a cute scene. Um, except when Rolf turns into a Nazi, then you're like, oh man, that's not that cute. She kissed a Nazi. Um, but yeah, I I can't agree with you. I I. I mean, for me, the best first kiss in cinema will always be held to Mia and Seb in La La Land. Just the whole scene, them dancing in the observatory and the whole scene leading up to that and the way it like kind of like closes in on that shot, um, I, I, I just love. But yeah, yeah, no, I think there is an argument to be made Wait, for the best first kiss. No credit to the multiple first kisses in Fifty First Dates? There's multiple of yeah. them, and they're all great. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a cute scene besides the subtext and the Nazi stuff, obviously. But, like, you get, the, you get it. Yeah. Um, there is... Before we get into our questions, there is uh, one more um, performance that I wanted... Like, uh, uh, supporting performance that I wanted to bring up, um, and that is Richard Hayden. Um, who uh, portrayed uh, Uncle Max. Um, 
he i he, he like i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest his performance wasn't amazing you know it wasn't like wow like this is he is he has really taken these kids to school like it wasn't amazing but it was perfect for what he his character was and was to the story was just this little comedic relief kind of character but also has some dramatic moments um and i thought he was so perfect for that i thought he of playing like the funkle like the fun uncle i thought he did such a good job yeah yeah i totally agree um but do you want to start like getting into the questions because when it comes to my absolutely love to um why don't you start us off most rewatchable scene for you i'm gonna take uh the entire segment from when she first brings the kids out to the singing like to teach them mm-hmm. how to sing all the way onward to the one line was there any chance that my kids were swinging from trees or whatever is oh, exactly- that was so funny <laughs> um and she's is- just she's not like no or anything like that she goes yeah we we're climbing trees and i was like god maria's goaded we love maria so yeah that whole segment i count as the most rewatchable bit yeah, I mean, for me, personally, um, it'll always be uh, them, their performance at um, either their performance at the festival, because it always makes me tear up just a little bit, um, or the uh, final scene uh, where they're climbing over the mountains um, and the, the, the uh, Swiss, it's like the Swiss mountains in the background. It's an absolutely gorgeous shot. Um, but uh, what I wanted to, what, a question I wanted to shoot to you as our next question: Who won this movie? Um, I would like to say whoever. Uh, Oscar Hammons, Hammerstein the second. <laughs> Who is that? And Richard Rogers, the two that wrote the music, and did the songs for this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean... Yeah, yeah. I I gotta agree with you there. That is easily the best part of this movie. The whole soundtrack bangs. Every song is so singable. Oh, my um, God. And after I watched this movie, I woke up, I took a shower, and I was singing Do Re Mi through the entirety of that shower. I. It's, it shouldn't be as catchy as it is, but it is so damn catchy. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, you said you said it all. I mean, that's who wins for me. The sound, the guys who wrote the music, it's just unbelievable. Um, does this movie belong in the IMDb top two fifty? I mean, even though I have it at a four and a half, and I do have more movies that I would have it at five. Yes. I'd say yes. I think that this was a wildly influential film that even though I gave it a four and a half, I could see a debate for a five, and I think that that is not even a rough debate. Um, And I'd Mm -hmm. say that this was an extraordinary film. Great cinematography, great landscape, uh, great songs, great acting, great cast. 100%. All of that for a 60s movie? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, I agree. And the fact that it is, this movie is three hours, 
and it, if there's some parts where you'll it'll it'll just kind of whip by like it's paced pretty pretty well yeah i was just sitting there and i could have sworn no time had passed and i paused and i was an hour and a half in and i was like whoa yeah. and that's an intermission when's the last time you watched a movie with an intermission i think that's awesome <laughs> i don't know why but that just made me really happy yeah, and even though I skipped the intermission, it was very cool that it was there. I didn't skip it. I was like, oh, finally, I can go pee. I just let it keep playing. <laughs> it's part of the experience, man. Um, okay. Uh, Are we getting Jack Torrance in a fight here? I say, I think yes. I, I think mean, I think Georg call, calls all of his military buddies, and they just, like, shit on Jack Torrance. Say we pull in a bunch of people. We got the entire Von Trapp family. We got Maria, who's a beast. And then you yeah. got... And although it's horrific to bring them in, you got Nazis. They could kill Jack Torrance. I mean, realistically... He wouldn't even... Meet, like, Georg is so against them, he wouldn't even bring them in. Georg would bring in all his Austrian naval buddies, well, and that's... they would just crap on him. See, that's even better, because now we don't have to start getting into the morals of bringing Nazis in to fight one man. Yeah. Like, fuck Nazis. I want to make that clear to our viewers. We uh, we don't like Nazis. We hate Nazis. make that very clear. We but, hate Nazis very, very much. They are not good people, and they d deserve to... Uh, I'm just getting... No, I... All right. Yeah, no, they deserve to burn in hell. You uh, Nazis suck. Um, yeah. yeah. But Jack, Jack Torrance, finally, Jack Torrance has been defeated for the first time on the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. Jack Torrance has been defeated by the Australian naval force and oh. Georg from the sound of music. Who would have thought the first time Jack Torrance would beat is the sound of music? That is wild. Because we got Gretel, dude. She could destroy oh, Jack Torrance. Oh, yeah, Gretel Torrance. is just shitting on Jack Torrance. <laughs> She's a Yoda out there, dude. She's just like <laughs> hopping all over him. Um, um, I would also like to. Yeah. Can I take this time to mention a few things that I know probably wouldn't have get yeah and slipped into this episode, but I would like to mention them. Number one, merchandise. It exists now. Uh, we've. Oh yeah, I didn't know if we were releasing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got the page up. It's attached to the YouTube. So. If you do listen to our podcast on Spotify, just search up The Average Film Enjoyer on YouTube and then click the link in the About section. And if, you're, and if you're already there on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button. You know? I mean, yeah, why not? It's free. You're already there, so why not? Just hit it. It's not that hard. It's one press, you know? Um, and it makes us feel good. It boosts our egos. And the more, the bigger our egos are, the more entertaining this will be for you. Yeah, because now we're going to be egotistical monsters. You want that, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Just a couple of Tony Starks up in here. Um, and also, there's one more thing, and it has nothing to do with our podcast, but I want to mention it. Yeah. On eBay, there is now something running called Matchfire Auctions 9D, which is a company that is running auctions for the SAG strike. And they are running the craziest auctions you've ever heard of. Okay, give me some of the stuff. I'm just going to read you a couple of them, and they're totally legit. Like, I had to read up on it because I was like, there's no way. Yeah. Um, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross will join you for dinner. This is a... Wait, there's no way that's real. I would, have I would have dinner with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. 
And that comes in at the measly price of $10,000. Oh, I don't have that kind of money. Adam Scott, you know him, the comedian guy? Yeah, from Parks and well, from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. We'll walk your dog for 1 hour, LA-based doggies only. Um Damn it. The ca- <laughs> Lena Dunham, you know her? Lena Dunham, yeah. She will come to your house and paint a mural in your home. For $5,100. This is crazy. I love this. I love this. Oh that my god. Awesome. There's a couple more I need to read to you. The cast of Bob's Burgers will sing a song written just for you for $7,000. Natasha Leone will help you solve the New York Times Sunday crossword for $4,550. <laughs> John Lithgow will watercolor portrait of your dog. For $4,250. John Lithgow? Oh my god. This is the greatest. You have just brought so much joy into my life, Jagger. I'm just going to sit in my bed scrolling all these different delightful things you can buy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they get better and better. Um, Jeremy Allen White has now a signed apron. The one they used on the bear. Um, okay, that's honestly pretty sick. You can do a 20-question Zoom call with either Sarah Silverman or Maggie Gyllenhaal. Okay, okay. Let's let's put ourselves in this situation. We, we do a Zoom call, and we record it, and we get to ask either of those two people uh, 20 questions. Who are we having on? Between Sarah Silverman and Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes. I'd go Sarah Silverman. I have Silverman. an answer, but I'm wondering what you are, yours is. I'd go Sarah Silverman. Wow, really? Yeah, I'd want to talk to her about I her do love on. Sarah Silverman, but I'd go Matt. I, I mean, for me, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think she's a really talented actor and director. Um, so we'd have a lot to talk about. I know, but you could ask Sarah Silverman if any of the Crank Yankers calls are actually real. I've been so curious. Um, um, yeah. yeah. All right, give me some more of these. I want, this is making me happy. Um. Man, there's some really good ones. I gotta pick, like, what are the best ones to read off to you. Yeah. Uh, you could do a Zoom with the entire cast of New Girl, all on one Zoom Wait, call. New Girl is, like, my all-time favorite show. $4,250, you could do a Zoom call with the entire cast. So, like, you got Zoe Deschanel, you got Jake Johnson, you got Marlon Wayans Jr., you got, uh... Uh, oh, who's Winston? Well, you got, uh, Max Greenfield. Is Max Greenfield in there? He better be included. Here, uh... Read off the names to me. Zoe, Lamorne, Hannah, Max, and Zoe. Zoe and Zoe. I don't know how you pronounce those. I've never seen it. Zoe, 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 I don't don't know how, I honestly, two O's. It's who plays Jess. Um, And then Lamorne, that's Winston. Oh my god, that would be so amazing. That, I'm gonna be looking at that all night tonight. Um... Yeah, and then there's some other good ones. Like, take a pottery class with Busy Phillips. <laughs> what? You just found something really good. You just... What is it? Tell me. The script of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where every single page is signed by a different cast member. You're lying. You're lying. $2,025, and I just found this. Oh my god, it's only $2,000? Yeah. <laughs> Jagger, we need this. We need this. It's in my, that movie's in my top 100. 
Dude, the 20 minute call with Sarah Silverman is cheaper. No, I don't care about Sarah Silverman. I need the script. Um, Big and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, please. That movie is in my top 100. I think it's like 76 or something. Oh, I just found another one. You can take a lesson about making movies with Spike Jones and Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. Spike Jones is the director of her. I know who Spike Jones is. Her is in my top 10 of all time. I. Well, that one's $5,100. How much is it? $5,100. Oh, you can. I'm going to the bank tomorrow and taking out a few loans, a few business loans. (laughs) You can also, Um, you can also get, you know, Parker Posey. Yeah. From I Was Afraid. Yeah, you can get her entire collection of memorabilia that she's collected on her set of movies, which includes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 different props off the set of Days and Confused. That's fucking crazy, dude. For $1,500. We need to, like, stop talking about this because we could talk about this for hours. Just like, what? I want that. Please, please. But none of us, neither of us are ever going to be able to afford any of these things. But $10,000 for a dinner with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross? I can't believe that's only $10,000. That's crazy. I can't believe it's only $2,000 for uh, a directing class with Spike Jones. Oh, someone just upped the bid on Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Now it's officially 10000 It was like 9500 and someone just booped another 500 All right, All right. We are going to – we that is where we're going to leave that uh, at the end of this episode. We will recheck in with some of those things, see how expensive they are. Wait so a minute. keep that window up, Jagger. I have the link up, but there is now a delivery date on when they will announce when they will go to dinner with you. It is between September 27th and October 2nd. So that's, they're giving me 10 days until they answer me. God, how rude. <laughs> rude. Um, no, uh, that's amazing. Um, but let's get into our next section, which, um, so we, we're trying out uh, a couple uh, new sections. We're bringing it back an old one today uh, for post-review stuff. Um, but again, just to reiterate what Jagger said, um, please go look at our merch. Jagger has done a stellar job about choosing some sick stuff. We got a pickleball set. If you want your own average film enjoyer pickleball set, uh, we have a pickleball set. Um, you can get and it's it's not jackets. It's, it's not just the paddles too. You get two pickleball balls, so you're getting like a full kit for pickleball. So you are ready to go. Yeah, you are. So go, you're able to. Go f- Jackets, coffee cups, bags, shirts, hoodies, anything you could want with our logo on it. We got it. Uh, me and Jagger are both working on some limited edition uh, Halloween spooky season uh, type merch right now that will be dropping October um, 1st. October 1st right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully October 1st. Um, um, we'll be dropping some merch uh, correlated with some of our favorite uh, spooky season movies. Um if you go back and listen to uh, our episodes, you might be able to figure out what a few of them are. Um, you probably will. We talk about them a lot. Um, but, yeah, uh, please go buy our merch. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please like this video. Subscribe to our channel. 
um, and comment down below um, any any questions you have. We are going to try to start doing a monthly Q&A episode. So any questions you have about anything, really, film they can be film-related, life-related, questions about us. Um, just don't ask our social security number, like our address or anything. We will not, not be giving out that kind of information, but questions about us. Um, anything you want to know, we will be doing a monthly episode answering Q&A questions. Um, yeah. Hopefully, if we get enough. Um, so just spam us with a bunch of questions that you want to know about. Um, and then if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Please leave us a review. Um, I think we're up to like 15 reviews right now, which is totally awesome. We are getting so much support um, and, and we love it. I Go just, ahead. I just want to thank you all for getting us up to currently a 4.9 on Spotify. Yeah, That's crazy. That's pretty freaking awesome. Um, and we appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. Um, again, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I officially have a Twitter account. So follow me on Twitter at... I, oh, I think it's at Trey the Film Noob. It's... Give me one sec. Um, it should be just Trey the Film Noob on Twitter. I'm also Trey the Film Noob on TikTok and uh, Letterboxd. Um, yeah, I'm Jagger Film Fan on Letterboxd because I decided to try something new and I'm waiting for my 30 days to be up so I can change that back because uh, that doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Um, I like Film Fan. Jagger Film Fan, he is also Jagger Film Reviews on TikTok. See, I got it right this week. Uh, Jagger, are you movie reviews or film reviews on Twitter? Film reviews and Jagger film reviews on Twitter as well. Please follow us. We love all the support that you people have been giving us. Um, but yeah, let's get back to it. Um, so I'm going to be leading a section this week. We'll probably switch off every every week, but we are starting a new one um, that we're going to try to do every episode. Um, oh, wait, I just found out that I have an Instagram called Jagger the Movie Guy. I didn't know that. Oh, hell yeah. Go follow him on Instagram. We're going to try to post content on all these media platforms. So, like, announcements, different stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, go follow us on those if you want to see more of us. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're starting a new section today that I will be leading today. It's called If You Like This, You'll Like This. Um, basically, if you want film recommendations about, like, related to the film we reviewed today. Um, I know my friends are always looking for recommendations and I like giving them out. So yeah, we're just going to get into it. If you liked, if you like Robert Weiss, so if you liked the directing style of the sound of music, uh, I would go check out the West side story, which is another one. He did a great classic musical, um, the body snatcher and star Trek, the motion picture as believe came out in 1979. There's a lot of those, but he did the one that came out in 79. Um, if you like Julie Andrews, like me, I love Julie Andrews. Go watch Princess Diaries is great with Anne Hathaway. Really, really fun. Uh, well, a personal favorite of mine is uh, Mary Poppins with Dick Van Dyke. Um, that is an outstanding musical. Um, and uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie was one of her first ones that I quite enjoy personally. Um, if you enjoy Christopher Plummer, um, you can check out some of his newer stuff. He was in Knives Out, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which is a underrated Fincher film, um, and A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Um, and if you like musicals, like if you like this and you're like, oh, I might like musicals, go check out West Side Story. Go check out La La Land. 
go check out all that or what was all that jazz that you just watched jagger we'll talk about all that jazz in a minute all that jazz like all that jazz i've got like 20 minutes after listening to jagger talk about all that jazz you'll want to go check that out so go check out the la la land specifically that's the greatest musical ever made it's my all-time favorite movie and we will uh but yeah go check out some of those films um today we are getting back to one of our favorite sections to do um, don't, we hope that you enjoy it as well. We are getting back to high and low. And Wait, I can tell Trey. Jagger's about to jump out of his skin if he can't talk about this movie. So, Jagger, why don't you kick us off with your highs and lows for the week? Really quick. I, um, I want to say if we're talking about musicals, two more you didn't mention. Grease and Hairspray are both incredible. Check those out. Oh, yeah. Completely forgot to mention. Oh, and Mamma Mia. Go check out Mamma Mia. Great, great 80s musical. Really fun. Uh, okay. Mamma Mia can wait. Wait, okay, what was that look for? Mamma Mia can wait, man. Mamma Mia's like a two and a half. I don't like Mamma okay, Mia Okay, you much. can shut up now. Okay. That is a L. That is a massive L. Okay. Mamma Mia is amazing. <laughs> I, I like ABBA, but if you want to listen to some ABBA music, isn't there some ABBA in Saturday Night Fever? But that's like better. I don't know. I've never seen Saturday Night Fever. I was too busy watching the masterpiece that is Mamma Mia. Well, if you want to talk about masterpiece musicals, let's talk about all that jazz. So, yeah, go ahead, buddy. Are you familiar with Bob Fosse's work? I'm not. Okay, so Liza with a Z, Starry, the Broadway classics. Um, yeah. Bob Fosse is an absolute legend. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I know you know Roy Scheider. I know you know Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider is an absolute beast of an actor who was severely yeah. snubbed of an Oscar in 1980, but yeah. that's fine. For uh, this movie? Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Who won? Dustin Hoffman for Kramer vs. Kramer, which oh, I have not Dustin seen. Hoffman. Dustin I, Hoffman is, is great. I love Dustin Hoffman, especially in Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman's amazing, but at number 139 on the, on the Letterbox Top 250 sits the masterpiece that is all that jazz. A movie that my dad said, hey, why don't you get that one? While I was looking through the lo- po- the local library. Because uh, I just pick out some movies sometimes and rent them and watch them. And I saw all that jazz and I was like, eh, why not? So then mm-hmm. I get it and I bring it home and I put it in. And in the next two hours, I had felt every single emotion possibly to be able to felt, felt from a movie. Um, mm-hmm. It has a criterion. It is not available on okay. streaming absolutely anywhere because I guess they used copyrighted music that they didn't own. So then problems, I guess. Yeah. But Roy Scheider delivers some of the most absolutely incredible. Did you like, did you see Babylon? No, no. I am sorry to say I've not seen Babylon quite yet. All right. Well, are do you like a movie that is hectic? And you saw Boogie Nights, right? I did see Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is a masterpiece. This is kind of down that same vein, but like Broadway instead. It's okay. So there's uh, it's Boogie Nights without all the boobies. I mean, still there's still boobies. If that supplements okay, it for you, okay, that's fine. No um, comment about that. <laughs> so it is insane. So it's like uh, you haven't seen Requiem for a Dream. Um, and it's yeah. somewhere in between Babylon and Requiem for a Dream sits all that jazz, where it's just like 
bam, 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 like crazy, crazy scenes of him like writing out music and then like they're performing it. But he's like losing his mind in the corner doing drugs and then he's back over and he's like, okay, we're doing this and we're doing this. Um, it's <laughs> insane. It is so hectic. And my God, it is two hours of pure, like you don't know what's about to happen, but yeah. you're so excited for it to happen. Some absolutely slapping songs, like songs that are unreasonably good, which we talked about with Sound yeah. of Music. But Sound of Music did not include the reason that jazz hands are as popular as they are today. Because that was Bob yeah. Fosse, king of the... It's showtime, yeah. folks. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. Like, it, yeah. I have... I had two contenders for my number four of all time, and I was about to change them until I saw this, and I was like, okay, that's my number four. Because I was deciding between Clockwork Orange and Boyhood, and they were kind of like this, but all that jazz yeah. just pushed them away. Um, so now I have my solidified four with, like, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Evil Dead 2, The Warriors, and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Meant you need to watch it. It is genuinely no. incredible. Hey, there's a lot of stuff. Let's be honest, Jagger. There's a lot of stuff I need to watch. Yeah, but make this um, at the top of your priorities because this is better than a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's great. And I was talking to Wes and Jay about this movie, and they are both like, oh, that mm-hmm. movie's incredible. So I'm not the only one. This is a great okay, movie. I'll watch it. I'll All watch right. it. All right. Um, so, all right. Any other highs you want to mention, or do you want to go into your lows? Any other highs I want to mention? Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a weird one. Gummo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We talked. I, I, I know. I was at work, and we were talking about this movie for, like, 30 minutes. Just, like, reading reviews and reading synopsises, and neither of us had seen it. And I still haven't. But Can I... apparently you did. <laughs> so, right after that call ended, I brought my brother in and said, I'm going to show you a movie and you're not going to like it, but you're going to watch it anyway. And he said, all right. Um, and then How old's your brother? Uh, he's 14. Same age. Um, so <laughs> Are you guys twins? Do you no. have a twin brother? Not twins. Not twins. Oh. Not twins. Um, let me just read my review because I think it basically solidifies it. And maybe I'll pull up the I- – or you know what? I'll just read the yeah. IMDb thing because, I mean – even though some of it is not aged as well, and some of this stuff is going to sound mildly offensive, this is the IMDb description for it. Yeah, uh, trigger <laughs> warning to all of our viewers and when, listeners. When I read this to you, you were like, that's not real. Um, but consider- I think that's exactly what I said. I was like, that's not real. Yeah. That's not real. Constructing, constructing this film through random scenes, director Harmony Corinne abruptly... I don't even know what that word is. Any sort of narrative plot. So here we go. Solomon and Tumblr are two bored teenage boys who live in Xenia, Ohio. A few years ago, a tornado swept through it, destroying more than half the town and killing the same amount, including Solomon's father. The film from there chronicles the antisocial adventures these two boys have. These including sniffing glue, killing cats, having sex, riding dirt bikes, listening to black metal, and meeting a cavalcade of quirky, bizarre, and scary people. These include a man who pimps his mentally ill wife to our three anti-heroes. 
Three sisters who play with their cat and practice becoming strippers. A black midget fending off the sexual advantages of a troubled man. A 12-year-old gay transvestite who's also a cat killer. Solomon's mother who seems to be the only glimpse of sanity. Two foul-mouthed six-year-olds. And most importantly, a skateboarder who walks around town wearing pink rabbit ears. And this is a real movie. There's so much to unpack there, <laughs> good and bad. It is just now this yeah, this that, that has to be single handedly the greatest synopsis ever written. But it gets worse. Let me bring you down the Harmony Corinne rabbit hole. He has a movie called Julian Donkey Boy. He has a movie aptly titled Trash Humpers, which is about a group of old people that are in sexual relationships with garbage cans. And he was also involved in the making of the movie Kids. What is going on in this man's head to pull off these kinds of movies? And I genuinely would like to know the answer to this. Because I can't figure it out. Dude, the world of cinema is wild. Some of the sentences you just uttered. Uh, oh, yeah, he also has a film called Trash Humpers, where a group of old people are sexually with attracted to trash cans like where else will you hear that you will not hear that anywhere else in sec except in the world of cinema <laughs> you, you just won't maybe on reddit but that's about it yeah, maybe reddit. um yeah maybe reddit uh some other high reddit some other highs down that same vein i watched sausage party that was funny um oh yeah i haven't I seen that but it seems like a w I watched Bling Ring again. That's my... What's that, like the 18th time you've watched that in two weeks? Fourth. It's still a lot, though. Um, I watched For Your Height Only, which is about a Filipino little person who plays James Bond and goes around killing people. Uh, You're just hitting all the bangers this week, apparently. I, listen to this one. Mr. Giant has kidnapped the brilliant Dr. Van Kohler and is planning to use the doctor's invention, the N-bomb, to hold the world hostage. The only one who can foil Mr. Giant's evil scheme is Agent Zero Zero, a three-foot-tall Filipino martial arts master, expert marksman, top-class romancer, so right now. and all-around super spy. Can Agent Zero Zero rescue Dr. Kohler before it's too late? With lead actor, the legend himself, Wang Wang. I'm I'm not gonna comment here because I feel like if I say anything about what you just said, I'm gonna get canceled. Great movie though, it's really funny. Um, but po I also double featured Pulp Fiction and Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Great movie though, it's really funny. Your comedic timing, Jagger, is so perfect sometimes. Oh my gosh. I also watched True Stories, which if you've ever seen Weird, Weird Al's and UHF, is basically that, but with the talking heads. Um, okay, I love UHF, so I'll need to check that out, and I love the talking heads. Uh, you know Owen Patnod? He make TikTok videos. Yeah, yeah. I I, did you watch his short? I watched all of his shorts, and my favorite of his oh, was... Okay. I wa my favorite of his was Unfamiliar Familiarity. It was pretty good. It's yeah, on that's YouTube. a new one, right? Yeah, that you one was really year? good. Um, I talked about all that jazz. Uh, I haven't talked about Haunting in Venice. I just got back yeah, from that. We love your shorts. If you're listening to this, come on to our podcast. We want to talk about your rancid takes. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're probably valid when we talk about them, and cinema's cinema, and it's whatever you like, but you have some illness takes, my friend. 
uh, and we want to talk about them. And my last movie that I'm going to bother you all with is The Greatest Showman, which sucks. I mean, it's not. Yeah, that movie's bad, dude. I have yeah, it at they, half a star. Barnum, I don't care what all the girls that are listening to this are saying, like, that are like, The Greatest Showman is so good. It's, it's about love and it's about acceptance. And, and and it's about uh, accepting who you are on the inside and on the outside. And that's great, but that's not who P.T. Barnum was. This movie makes P.T. Barnum seem like he was this beautiful soul who brought in all the outcasts and made them feel important and special. Yeah, that's kind of the opposite of what happened. You want to know what really happened? P.T. Barnum was whipping them. Yeah, P.T. Barnum <laughs> brought in these people who were outcasts by their community for being physically or mentally disabled, took advantage of them, made money off of them, and treated them just like everybody else treated them, and also treated his animals terribly too. P.T. Barnum was a terrible person. He's not the hero of the outcast that this movie makes him out to be. And that is why I also have that movie at a half star. Oh, and Tightrope sucks. That song is awful. Like, everyone's yeah, like, oh, this the music in that movie is awful. Also, I want to talk about how... I want to talk about how absolutely unrealistic this movie is. Like, these people meet when they're seven years old, and then they sit waiting until they're 45, 50 years old, and they've been sitting and they haven't dated anyone since because they've been waiting for each other. Yeah, unrealistic romance standards. Watch Before Sunrise. True. Before Sunrise makes yeah, it realistic for you. Like these before Sunrise and then feel like you want to go jump off a bridge. But don't because we don't want you to because you are loved. And because but you listen to our podcast. You extreme depression. Yeah, and because you listen to our podcast and you give us numbers. So don't jump off a bridge because you're helping us. Um, yeah. And because... Oh my god, that was so fucked. <laughs> and because no, you're no, awesome. Okay, for real, for real, for real. This is something I want to touch on because it was Suicide Prevention Day the other day. Um, yeah. As someone who has personally had friends that have killed themselves, um, and someone who has partly, uh, personally dealt with suicide themselves, please don't. There is a lot of standards, and I know we're kind of taking a turn, but I feel like this is something that needs to be said. Yes. There's a lot of standards set, especially for men in our society, that men aren't allowed to talk about their feelings, and that is absolutely not true. Um, if if you are feeling like you you are feeling you are feeling alone, and you are feeling anything remotely close to harming yourself. Please find someone and talk about it. It doesn't even have to be a therapist. I didn't see a therapist for years. Just go talk to one of your, someone you feel comfortable with, whether that's a girlfriend, uh, a boyfriend, a, f uh, a friend, a parent, a sibling, anyone. Please go talk to them and please, please do not do anything without talking to someone first. That's what I always say. If you're feeling like doing doing something, just make it through the day, just one day at a time. As a recovering addict and a recovering alcoholic, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Take it one day at a time. If I still won't feel like this tomorrow, I'll do it. I go to sleep. I wake up. I usually don't feel like that anymore. One day at a time. You can do it. Just talk to someone, please. Okay, back to highs and lows. Don't care yourself, please. It's depressing and makes everyone around you sad. And it's not going to solve your problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem is what Robin Williams used to say. Um, so, yeah. 
well, just wanted to. Do you have any more? Uh, do you have any loads you want to talk about, Jagger? On that note, uh, besides more, Greatest Showman. Any more loads I want to talk about? I think I do. Wait. Uh oh yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I give that one star. Yeah. I I think this is something we can talk about because I, one, I don't have that at one star. I don't have it that low. I do I do enjoy bits and pieces, but I I do have it that I think I have it at a three or two and a half. I I know. I have friends who have this at five stars. I have friends who are like, this is the greatest movie ever made. Yes. I have someone and who that is okay. At, I have someone who You're yelled at me to... in the comment of my review, telling me that I was wrong. I know. I saw that. I saw that. I read that, and I was like, "Yeah, that's gonna happen." Yeah. It's. I will say, I walked out of the theater dumbfounded by that movie. That is one of the single greatest theater experiences I've ever had. But that does not go into my rating. Watching that after leaving the theater, so like watching that at home, I watched it a few months back. It doesn't hold up. It's fun, but the plot is messy. The acting is bad. Um, it it's, tries it, to bring in emotion that's not there. Exactly. And I, I mean, mean try like everybody's like, oh, I cried so much during that movie. No. And I just said the only time I cried was when Andrew Garfield was talking about Gwen Stacy, uh, because Andrew is goaded, and the Amazing Spider-Man movies are the best Spider-Man movies, hands down. No, I understand that that's your opinion. I really did grow up on the Maguire trilogy. That's just how I was raised, and I'm a big... Yeah, I'm ra- sorry about that. No, no, no. No reason to be sorry. Opinions are awesome, and this is why. Because I love the Raimi trilogy. You don't. I think the Garfield trilogy are good. Uh, you love them. I think that the Holland trilogy is one of the worst things to come out of Marvel, and I have it below Quantumania. Um, here's another hot take. I think Multiverse of Madness is pretty cool. I kind of liked it, honestly. I know, I need to rewatch it now that I've watched the Evil Dead movies. And I'm going to say something else. Screw everyone who said, Oh, they were trying to make an attempt with Thor Love and Thunder. I really liked Thor Love and Thunder. Me too! Finally, someone... I'm always scared to say that because everybody hated on it. I had quite a good time. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Besides was... the floating head CGI scene, I quite enjoyed myself with that movie. And as a fanatic of Big Shark, I did not mind the CGI scene. And I will say that even though it was bad, it had some really funny moments, very funny moments. And I will also say that the use of, like, Guns N' Roses was awesome. I mean, the more 100%. Guns N' Roses in a superhero movie, the better. Um, yeah, 100%. And the Screaming Goats were so funny. Funny. And Everybody was like, oh, that was so stupid. I hated that. What are you talking about? It was hilarious. I absolutely adored the Screaming Goats. You know, we're going to talk hot takes. And this is, again, just me. And I know it's kind of like breaking down Kill Bill 1 and 2, even though they're supposed to be like kind of considered as one thing. Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War is better than Avengers Endgame. That's just not true. Yes, it is. But that's fine. They're still both four and a halves for me. Endgame just uh, it edges out Infinity War for me just a bit. I'd and have... did you know for Infinity War they weren't they the original script didn't have Captain America showing up till the Battle of Wakanda. Really? Yeah, the original script didn't have him showing up till the Battle of Wakanda. Now I have Avengers Infinity War at a four and a half, 
And I have Endgame at a four, and I've been recently contemplating a three and a half. Because the more that's I, valid, dude. I mean, I'm gonna put it down to three and a half. Because the more I think about it, I don't know that I enjoyed it that much. I think that there were parts of it that I think were God, were they lengthy? I mean, it is a it is a three hour movie. But yeah. In my opinion, and this is again just my opinion, I found. Yeah. Um, Bo is Afraid to be far more entertaining for the full three hours. I found a few mm-hmm. movies to be more entertaining for the full three hours. And I think for that reason alone, that's why I enjoy Inf- Infinity War a bit more. Uh, I think Infinity War was only around two and a half hours. So it was a more reasonable time frame for a movie like that. And yeah. it was thoroughly entertaining. And I know that this is going to sound sociopathic, I think the ending of having Thanos win was almost kind of cool because it really set you up and made you very. Oh, no, it was unbelievable. It made it was you an, an, an amazing choice. And and anybody who says they didn't like that doesn't know what they're talking about. And it made you very excited for the sequel. And as someone who saw it in theaters, exactly. I was like giddy, ready for the next one. You know. And I think that if a movie can do it as well as Avengers: Infinity War did, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Um, but I don't know. Endgame just kind of, they're really close. Neither of them are the best Avengers movie. The first Avengers is by far the best Avengers movie. That's one yeah. of the only four Marvel movies I have at a five star. Um, I also want to and- quickly, I also want to quickly shoot down anyone that thinks Avengers Age of Ultron is good. It's not. It was the most forgettable movie I've ever seen. I have no memory of anything that happened. That's... I hold it in the same tier as Jurassic Park Dominion. You mean Jurassic World Dominion? Yeah, Jurassic World Dominion. I, I, I don't remember the see, name of see, it even. But that, that's... That's just... <sighs> it's so hard because I, I can acknowledge that there are definitely very rough uh, parts of that movie but it's just it's i don't really understand how you could call that forgettable james spader gives uh top three villain performance in the mcu um oh my buddy ben is calling me gonna decline that because i am in the middle of recording a podcast sorry everybody um yeah james spader gives top 10 performance um in the mcu um, can you still see me, Jagger? Am I still here? What's happening? Yeah, you're still here. I just have my letter boxed up on this screen. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. James Spader gives a top 10 performance, uh, in not top 10, top three villain performance in the MCU. Um, I have quite a good time with it. I think, uh, I've always loved the Ultron, um, as a villain. I've always loved Ultron. Uh, there's, I mean, there's an entire universe in the comics where he's killed off the majority of the Avengers and everybody's gone into hiding and he rules the world. Um, and I quite enjoy him as a villain. I think he's very compelling. Um, I think that that is the best performance we get from Robert Downey Jr. in that film. Um, might be a hot take, but I do. Um, I think the intro of Vision is really interesting. Um, but I do think that they underutilize Ultron. Um 
because realistically he is more powerful than Thanos. Um, is he really? Okay, I'm talking Thanos with no Infinity Stones. Oh, I was gonna say Thanos with Infinity Stones slit snap. No, there's the very few uh, characters more powerful than Thanos with the Infinity Stones. Thanos without the Infinity Stones, let's say that as the Thanos in the MCU, Thanos without the Infinity Stones, uh, uh, Ultron is easily the most powerful Marvel villain. There's no competition. Because he's not, he's not, he's not one thing. He's a virus. He's a computer virus. He's a sentient computer virus. And in a world that runs on technology, there's nothing more powerful than a sentient computer virus. That's fair. That's that's fair. And that is why I love that movie, because he is just so he's so powerful and he can do so many things. But I do understand that yeah, uh, some people some people don't like it and that's okay. That's oh, I, okay. I also no. want I also want to make a couple people mad really quick. Ghost Rider is awesome. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfers fun. Uh <laughs> Eternals sucked. Captain Marvel sucked. Black Widow sucked. And WandaVision is the best Disney Plus Marvel show. Okay, that's where I stop you. You need the... the, the there is no Marvel show. I will say, WandaVision is good. I, I do enjoy my time. I've watched it twice. There's no There's not a single Marvel TV show. Uh, inside the MCU, obviously outside the MCU, the best Marvel TV show, hands down, is Agents of Shield. Daredevil is great. Punisher is great. Agents of Shield, it's peak. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Um, I'm talking about Disney Plus. I'm talking about Disney Plus exclusive shows. If we're bringing the Punisher no, know, into this, the inside Punisher the is great. The Punisher is great. The Punisher is great. It's not better than Agents of Shield. Hey, watch it, pal. You're. It's hitting. just not. No, but you're hitting. It's not. You're hitting me then. Literally. No, I know, I know. Oh shit, you are in the Punisher. The Punisher is the one show in the world. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I keep forgetting about that. But it, it's just not. Okay, it's, it, it's it, amazing. It, it is a phenomenal show. It is. It's not better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of, a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's is really good. outstanding. But if Clark we're talking... Phil Coulson is the best character in Marvel. Okay, let's talk about exclusively ones that are logable on Letterboxd. Oh, so like Disney Plus MCU TV shows? Yeah. Yeah, not a single one of those holds a candle to Moon Knight. Wait, the Moon one Knight with the... Moon Knight was an immaculate TV show. Wait, wait, wait. Moon Knight wait, 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 was so goddamn good. Okay, yeah, Moon Knight was really, really good. I think WandaVision it's was... It's unbelievable. But WandaVision It's unbelievable. Was... It's perfect. WandaVision was kind of scary, dude. WandaVision was great. It was, yeah, because Wanda is one of the most powerful Marvel characters, but it doesn't hold a candle to Moon Knight. Moon Knight was isolated. It didn't try to bring in these other. He it didn't it didn't like really try to add to the huge like Marvel canon. It didn't try to build up to anything, just like the Guardians movies do. Um, it uh oscar isaac gave an outstanding performance we got to see uh all sides of moon knight which was uh really fun um we uh ethan hawk gave a absolutely haunting villain performance um which we love seeing he is uh apparently good at that after watching the black phone um oh, I, wait. I just like i quite enjoyed my t the action is really fun 
Um, I just enjoyed my time with that show. Wait, you know uh, the girl from Stranger Things? What's her name? Um, Millie Bobby Brown. No, my not- my love and my life. Please marry me. Leave the Bon Jovi kid and be with me. Wait, no, I'm not talking about Millie Bobby Brown. The that girl's Ethan oh. Hawke's daughter. Oh yeah, my Hawk. Yeah, you knew my that. Uma Thurman. Uh, that Uma Thurman is a mom. Dude, that's a stacked family when it comes to acting. And I just, oh, yeah. I just learned this oh, yesterday. Yeah. I thought that they were unrelated. Oh, yeah. And then they made like a movie together. What was it called? I don't remember. We might, we're really digressing here, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. This feels like old times. <laughs> yeah, Ethan Hawke made um, yeah. some movie with his family, and I want to see it. But he was great in The Purge. I love The Purge. James DeMonaco, you are a single Purge movie. Really? Watch the I first. I have zero interest. You I don't watch... have any interest. Watch the first one. James DeMonaco was a really cool dude to work with. He was awesome. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, okay, so while you look up this movie, I'm going to get into my high and lows. Okay. Uh, so, let's get in. So, I've watched quite a bit since we did 400 Blows. Um Let's see. Some of my highs. Well, I, I've done a couple director watch-throughs. Um, so, well, first of all, I rewatched some classics. Jurassic Park, Pulp Fiction. Um, I... Oh, wait. No. No. I, I talked about that one on the Seth episode. Um, I mean, I watched... Uh, I did a James Wan watch through, so I finally finished his filmography uh, by watching Malignant, which was my second time watching that film. Absolutely outstanding. Jagger, we need to do a watch party with the fellas soon. Um, that it, It's very diversive. It's one of the weirdest letterbox rating graphs you'll see. Um, I have it at a four and a half. It's very close to a five. It's in my top 100. Um, I think it's in like my top 70, honestly. Um, it's James Wan's Evil Dead. It's it's goofy it's uh silly it's gory it's it's really it's a good time it's a good time um james wan is an outstanding horror director i believe he goes up there with the greats he does um he has just a great horror filmography i so from him i also watched the conjuring 2 which i enjoyed more uh for than the first conjuring um i watched fast and furious 7 which was fine um none of those movies are amazing um, and then I watched, and I finished up his filmography with uh, Dead Silence, which was a one star. Um, it really sucked. Didn't care about anything happening in that movie. Um, I watched, oh, I watched Marley and Me for the first time. Um, I called Jagger that morning after I had watched it, like, sobbing. Like, Jagger, I don't know what to do with that. I did. I'm so sad. Uh, hey, spoiler! Uh, yeah, everybody knows what happens in that movie. Yeah, everybody knows. And, and so, if you, it's a little PSA. If you have ever had a dog ever in your family, don't watch this movie. This movie. Oh my gosh! I'm looking at my golden retriever as I'm talking about this, and it's making me sad. This movie will emote. No movie has ever emotionally wrecked me the way this movie has. So I will never be watching that again. It was it was really good. Four stars. Uh, Owen Wilson and Jennifer Anson gave really solid performances, but I'm never watching it again. Um, 
let's see. Oh, uh, and then another director who I kind of worked my way through. I still have a couple things left because I needed a break. Um, but uh, Mike Flanagan, um, uh, who did the uh, – he has a horror film called Hush that I quite enjoyed um, about a, uh, a deaf mute woman. Uh, who gets terrorized in the night by a uh, attacker. She lives, like, in the middle of the woods alone. Um, so that was... I had a good time with that one. The fun thing about Mike Flanagan is he uses a lot of the same actors. Like, he has a very, like, specific crew that he uses for, like, uh, all of uh, his movies, including uh, Carla Giugino, uh, who... Um, if you've seen Night at the Museum, she uh, plays uh, Rebecca, um, and she is a MILF, so we love seeing that. Uh, um, sorry, I shouldn't say that. She's an outstanding actress as well, but she is also very attractive. Or I'm just, just saying. Uh, so, uh, but from Mike Flanagan, this brings me to probably... Uh, the best thing I watched since in the last week. Um, he did this limited series called The Haunting of Hill House um, on Netflix. This is a Netflix limited series. I have had friends try to get me to watch this for the past three years since it came out. Um, I think it came out like 2016, 2017. So I'm constantly... Jagger, what are you giggling at? What are you, you, You're just giggling over there. What are you giggling at? <laughs> No, I just found a movie. I'll tell you after recording. I don't think I okay, can say okay. that description. Um, so I watched this film. Or it's a limited series. So as you know, there's a limited series you can log on Letterboxd. Um, Ten episodes. Did the math. That's about nine and a half hours of content. Um, it's... And I've tried to watch this. I've started the first episode about six or seven times, and I just couldn't get into it. So I finally one day, I was like, oh, crap. Now I have to watch Haunting of Hill House because that's Mike Flanagan too. Um, so f I'm just like, okay, fuck it. Um, so I before I get to work, I watch – before I go to work, I watch the first episode and I get about 20 minutes into the second one. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty solid. There's been some solid scares so far. There's been some solid acting. I'm enjoying this. This is sitting at like a three, three and a half for me right now. So I get home from work. And this is quite the story. I get home from work at about 9.30, 9 o'clock. And I start up on this again. I'm 20 minutes into episode two. There is nine and a half hours of content in this series. I lock in to this show more than I have ever locked into anything in the past four or five months. I was sitting there in my bed with my computer on my chest watching this. I didn't move a muscle the entire time I finally come to out of this comatose state that I was in watching this show and don't get me wrong I wasn't like zoning out or anything I was fully taking in everything that was happening on the screen I come to I am halfway through the season finale episode 10 it is 5 30 in the morning I had started at nine o'clock and I was like okay might as well finish at this point I finished and went to bed at 6.30 in the morning. I watched the entire thing in one night, and that is how goddamn good it is. Trey, you called me at 6 o'clock in the morning my time and said, Jagger, I'm watching the greatest show. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. I called I called Jagger when he was getting up for school, and I hadn't even gone to bed watching this show. It is pretty granted Jagger is three hours ahead of me, but it is outstanding. You need to go check this out. If you are a horror fan, I have never seen a horror I have never seen a piece of horror content. So when you watch horror movies, there are some horror movies who will balance like who will be scary but will also have emotional moments that hit really well, right? But what you don't see is a horror movie balancing something as opposite as drama, right? You'll see horror comedies, and that works really well because those are two extreme emotions that just work together really well, right? Drama, horror is like very extreme to the max emotion, right? And drama is this more nuanced kind of kind of deal. They're, Jagger, you call it, I know you're reading st- funny synopsises, but I, it's too good just watching you in the bottom of my screen, just giggling. Um, but back to what I was saying, it's, 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 it's. Uh, you don't, what you don't see a lot is, is, is a well balanced piece of media that balances horror and drama. Two very, very, very different um, genres, and this did it so perfectly. There was the perfect balance between scares. And all this, these dramatic moments between good writing and good acting and just everything. Everything was perfect about this show. I mean, I'm honestly probably going to watch this again once October hits because I loved it so much. Um, yeah, it was, it was just outstanding. Um, I also watched uh, Ouija from him, which was fine. Um, I watched The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was uh, another one he did. Uh, about a haunted house, which was, it, it was good. It wasn't as good as Hill House, but it was solid. Three and a half stars. Um, and then that comes to my uh, another, my uh, last five star. Um, I got recommended a film with Logan Marshall Green, uh, directed by Lee Wannell. I think that's how you say their name. Yeah, his name. Uh, he did The Invisible Man and Insidious 3. Um, this movie was absolutely unbelievable. It is called Upgrade. Um, it's it's an action film, um, and it's basically like if American Ultra with Jesse Eisenberg meets... Jagger, you're killing me, man. You are killing me. Um, it, this film is if American Ultra met my... Minority Port met John Wick met uh, the Equalizer. It's it was outstanding with some fun cinematography. The action was was outstanding. Logan Marshall Green does a stellar job in this film. Um, instantly went into my top 100. I think it's uh, I think it's at like the high 40s, early 50s. Um, so uh, it's uh, yeah. Just, just outstanding. Go check out Upgrade. And then the last three films I've watched uh, have all been extremely disappointing. I watched There's Something Wrong with the Children, starring uh, Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights. Uh, uh, yeah, that really sucked. 2023 release. Don't need to watch that. Um, I was reading some five-star reviews on it, and they were all absolutely demented. Um, I watched The Rental, which I hadn't watched um, in a long time. Um, but I... Uh, I rewatched and I remember it being better, but it is not good. It's a one star. Um, by the end, the last 20 minutes of the movie, I was cheering for the killer just because he was killing off everybody so sufficiently, and he was just doing his job so well. I was just like, "Yeah, get him, get him," um, which shouldn't be happening. 
Um, and then I rewatched uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix so I could log it, um, which, as we all know, it was an extreme disappointment. Um, and that was a one star. So that's it for me. Jagger, I don't think you've been paying attention to a word I've been saying. I've no. just been watching you read these different synopsises and crack up. So why don't you tell us about some of the stuff you're reading about? No, I have been paying attention to you. Um, but I was also looking through Gunch's watch list and have stumbled mm-hmm. upon three movies that came up in essentially in order. Yeah. And I, I want to read you these three. So number one mm-hmm. is called Luther the Geek, which yeah. is about a guy with grills that bites the heads off chickens and then decides oh, yeah. to go on a killing Internet spree. Night. Um, <laughs> but if that's not bad enough, there's two more. One is, uh, another one's called Mother's Day, where it says three girls discover that two men are willing to do anything to impress mother, and what impresses mother is watching her sons commit acts of violence. Um, Yeah. Now these women are prisoners and lowered to pawns in the game of checkers between two dimwits and their maniac mommy, and the question becomes, can any of them escape alive? And next to those two horrifically, horrific-sounding movies... Is the brave little toaster to the rescue, starring oh Aretha God. Franklin, and those three are what? in a set of three. Wow. Um, but a uh, lot of those to film Gunch, go follow him. He's fun, but that is a wild list. That but is a wild list. Based off your description, um, upgrade sounds amazing. American Ultra it and me really to watch. And a lot of those ones by that director, whose name I cannot pronounce right now. What was it? Uh, Lee Weinhall? No, 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 no. Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House. Oh, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. A lot of that stuff sounded really good. So I was paying attention. It's just that I, when you... I mean, it's, it's, I, it's hard. Because a lot of it really sucks. Really? Like, Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep was below average. Um... Oh no! But I'm talking. Game was not... I'm talking about the shows that you were mentioning, saying really good. Oh yeah, Haunting of Bly Manor was great. Uh, I mean, that was solid. Haunting of Hill House was good. I've yet to watch Midnight Mass, which is another limited series he did, starring Zach Guilford. Um, so hopefully that's a bit better than the children one. And Hamish Linklater, who I want to shout out, who's an underrated actor um, in such movies as Forty Two. Uh, he's in The Big Short, and he's in this as well, um, who I quite enjoy him. Very unknown actor that I, I, I love. Um, he's very good. Um, so I'm excited to check that one out. But his feature films, it's really, really hit or miss, honestly. Um, most of them aren't aren't great. Isn't Doctor Sleep like half an hour longer than The Shining, which is an already very long movie? Let's see. Doctor Sleep is 152 minutes. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. Those people that have this at like four and a half stars. Have you seen Doctor Sleep? Um, no, but I picked it up. It was in the discount bin in Walmart the other day. What is it? Yeah, it's... It's... Bro, you know Cameron Kozak? No. Okay, he makes some really great TikTok videos. His top four currently, La La Land, Blade Runner 2049, No Country for Old Men, and Whiplash. 
Yeah. Uh, he has Doctor Sleep at five. That is here. Here's my deal with Doctor Doctor Sleep, and I think you're gonna feel the same way. It it does a the Shining is one of the it's in my top 15 of all time i think it's in your top 10 of all time mm -hmm. um, i believe so yeah might be in your top five not top five maybe not top five okay but okay it's like for both of us that is a quintessential like film that defines us it is one of the greatest films ever made oh wait no it's not in my top 15 it's my number four of all time sorry i just rearranged them all yeah it's my number four of all time it's 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 an unbelievable, immaculate film. Now, Dr. Sleep... Um, so, Stephen King wrote The Shining in the early 70s. He wrote Dr. Sleep in the late 2010s. Ay, that's already bad. And, I like, I, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Stephen King. I almost exclusively read Stephen King. He's an outstanding writer... Um, in every genre, he dominates, either whether it's horror, romance, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, action and adventure, mystery, anything. Stephen King is a master. He should not have written that book. The Shining was a masterpiece that he should have left alone. Basically, this movie takes place, uh, it, it centers around a grown-up Danny and how there's uh, this group of people who uh, suck the souls out of people with the shine to keep them young. And they're like, Su it's a superhero movie. That's what it is. No. The Shining is debatably the greatest horror movie ever made. Yeah. And this movie is just completely, for me, shits on. I'm going to drop this down to like a star and a half. This movie completely shits on everything that's great about The Shining. And you want to know what really what really got my goat about this movie? I can't believe I said that, but I feel like it was fitting. So they do flashbacks of when a Danny was a young kid, right? And usually you would either you would use clips from The Shining. You would you would get Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall to come in and do it. Um, you would, you would even, I would, I would have even been okay with CGI versions of them. Oh God. What did they do that made you say that that would be better? What could they have possibly done that oh, made you say what they did? Like a they cast, they cat, they, what they essentially did is they, they, I, this is how I think the acting choosing went. This is, this was the ad. We need not we don't really need you don't need acting experience we just need someone who looks like Shelley Duvall and who looks like Jack Nicholson and they found the two closest people and just threw them in this movie and told them to do their best impressions and it is miserable it it it, it is t terrible to these acting performances that are all time to these characters that are all time and it's like, I don't understand how some of my mutuals have this rated so highly. It's not good. It's really bad. And the star and a half goes out to Ewan McGregor. We love Ewan McGregor on this podcast. He is an outstanding actor and an outstanding human. But this movie's terrible. It's, it, it's, it makes me sad to think about it because it's, the, the Shining was just, um, it was a masterpiece. That is an all-timer. Uh, yeah. For a lot of people, 
who I met this guy at my work the other day who said The Shining is the most boring movie he ever watched. No. You, you wanna, he said that on his first day, and you want to know what? A week later, he got fired. So I was like, that's what you deserve, you idiot. Um, but that's that's another thing. Um, These people... Uh... But yeah, The Shining is... is it, it's such a masterpiece. And, and to do that, to and now it's going to be attached forever to this other piece of media that is one of the worst things. It is one of the worst legacy sequels you could ever make. And it's it just makes me sad. So I, you can watch it. You can watch it. I mean, I think you're, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am, uh, maybe I'm just like not like totally in touch with it. But for me personally, it is a disservice to the masterpiece that is The Shining. But I'm currently uh, changing my rating on this to one star. Wait, we're having a persona moment. It's just, yeah, it's. I, yeah, um, I don't. I don't really want to get into it anymore. It's making me depressed. Um, <laughs> but that's it for me for highs and lows. Um, yeah, I think same dude, here. Uh, but on that note, yeah. man, you got to watch. Like, you know how the Real Talk podcast does the real quick episodes? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like a 15-minute episode? Yeah. You, you need to watch all that jazz, and we've got to do like a... Quick... Uh, uh, I, what would we call that, though? we got to figure out a snappy name for it that also... Real speed. I don't know. <laughs> no, um, like the uh, the re- like the average short enjoyer. Mm, no, it doesn't roll off. Well, I don't like that. We can talk about this later. Nobody wants to hear this. Um, so, but instead of doing a game today, um, I had an idea. So, uh, as we know, uh, the sound of music takes place around the world. I War forgot II, we were and... talking about the sound of music. Oh my god. Yeah. Dude, this is what happens. This is what happens. And that's why our new section is called What Happens When Two Film Bros Hang Out. We are going to do this when on episodes when it's just me and Jagger because, let's be honest, games and drafts are quite boring when it's just us. Yeah. Um, so th- this new section that people can be, look for, be looking forward to is called What Happens When You Put Two Film Bros in a Discord Call. And... Um, yeah, I can tell you what happens. They just do what we just did. is just go from film to film and just talk about films uh, for no end. So the topic of today, um, and, and I'm going to try capping us off because what, what, what's a runtime right now? I feel like we've been going for a while. Can you let me give me a little update on where we're at? Um, it is one ten in the morning. No, like, no, no I, I get it. <laughs> it's very late for you. Can you tell us, like, what a runtime is that? Like, well, we are crossing 90 minutes in... Oh, we already crossed 90 minutes, yeah. You, you're fooling me. We crossed 90 All minutes right. a, a minute it's ago. Currently, it's currently 10.10 for me. Um, We are going to cap this to 10.30. No, let's cap it 10.20. 10.20. We're going to give us 10, 10 more minutes, and then we'll be done. We promise. We promise. But well, thank you. If you're still listening right now, thank you for sticking with us. We'll shut um, up for what will be our longest episode. Okay, sorry. Um, topic of what happens when you put two film bros in a Discord call uh, today is some of our favorite World War II films. Um, 
so one I wanted to bring up, which is personally my favorite World War II film, um, is Hacksaw Ridge. I am a huge fan of Andrew Garfield. Uh, I am a huge fan of this story. I think it's unbelievable. I think it's inspiring. This movie always makes me cry. Um, I think Vince Vaughn is absolutely hilarious in this movie, and it's not talked about enough. Um, what are some of your favorite World War II movies? Like, uh, because I know you've seen, I've seen some you haven't seen, and you've seen some you, I haven't seen. So why? What are some of your favorites? All right, I'm gonna take one that's not necessarily a movie, but it's something that's logable on Letterboxd, and it was something that I watched to study for a school project, and I thought it was pretty funny. I want to give some credit to World War II oversimplified. Um, oh, I thought you were gonna say Band of Brothers. Oh no, World War II oversimplified is a 30-minute YouTube video that's logable on Letterboxd, and it's really funny. That is awesome. Um, but if we're gonna talk about an actual movie now. Um, I'm going to... It doesn't even have to be, like, a war movie. It can be, like, something that took place during World War II. Um, well, I'm gonna go into a war movie. Or an anti-war movie. And if we're talking about YouTube videos, there's a... I, I don't know what you... Like, if you watch any, uh, YouTube stuff, there's some... Yeah. Like, a... There's a video essay called, I think, Lies of Heroism. Uh, and it is a video essay about the anti-war film or just look up on youtube reinventing the anti-war film it's phenomenal um but it talks about come and see which is what mm -hmm. i want which is what i want to talk about here come and see was a brain-altering experience for me because i didn't yeah. i didn't know what it was and i have made this mistake a few times of not knowing what a movie's going to be and then going into a rough movie, which was why like I had Requiem to... Like Requiem for a Dream. Like Requiem for a Dream, which I went in expecting, like, a stupid movie and got a nightmare. Um, but I went into that same problem with The Pianist, because I thought it was about, like... I thought it was mm -hmm. down that same vein as Rocket Man. It was not down that same, same wow, vein as no, Rocket Man. No, you cannot be more, more off. <laughs> so, that was a horrible experience for me i had to shut that off after 20 minutes because i was like i'll come back to this another time when i am ready to be traumatized uh yeah. come and see i did not know what i was getting myself into because i had just got the criterion channel i and i click on the channel and i'm like oh let me throw something on i have a few hours so i put on come and see and i like sit down and it's in another it's language Come see starts with a generally kind of upbeat moment and then throws you like it's like bah, 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 and then it pushes you down a hole. Yeah. And that hole doesn't stop. So you get the feeling of a free fall for the entirety of the movie. And then at the end, you just plummet. Um, and yeah. that's exactly what come and see is. Come and see is just the feeling of plummeting over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. and it is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. So, yeah. 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 I mean, what's a, what's a soundboard? Sorry. I'm like just on discord right now. And what's what this? did he say? Oh my gosh. <laughs> did you hear that? Sorry, everybody. This is what happens when Trey is tired. He just starts pressing buttons. He shouldn't be pressing. <laughs> and 
but I do want to say that is one of my favorite audios of all time, and I need to use that in a TikTok. Um, that I was... used that when uh, Jagger uh, Jagger had said that uh, so uh, WandaVision was the best uh, uh, Marvel show. Um, that would have been really funny. Um, but one one that Go was ahead. deafeningly loud. And that is going to like skyrocket the audio randomly for everyone watching listening. It's gonna be like us just talking at like this volume, and then I was like, "What did she say?" At like full volumes, like somewhere up here. Yeah, we're just gonna. It's just. It's gonna be like this. So welcome back to the Amish film. Yeah, just and like that. I I bet we woke you up from our ninety-minute rant about movies. Everyone that inevitably yeah. fell asleep. Okay, oh, that was a horrible it. voice. Crack. We have five minutes left. We have to finish this up in five minutes. Okay. Um, okay, I'm gonna touch on two more. Um, first one, Saving Private Ryan, outstanding. It's an essential for World War II. Tom Hanks, absolutely, uh, uh, absolutely outstanding. Um, it is part of my favorite uh, unofficial trilogy. Um, the uh, Matt Damon being rescued from increasingly weird situations trilogy. Uh, you watch it, you go uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, The Martian, and then Interstellar. Um, so the Matt Damon being saved from increasingly weird situations. Um, and then I wanted to touch on one of my favorite zombie films, um, Jagger. What? Uh, because I know you're a big fan of zombie films. There's also a World War II film. The title of this film is called Overlord. I don't know if you've heard of this film. Um, it is a basically this this uh, troop needs to drop in over this little town. They need to get to this church and destroy uh, this like radio tower so the people can storm Normandy. Um, and they basically what happens is they get to this church and they realize these Nazis have been doing secret experiments on the people of the village, turning them into, like, these Nazi super soldier zombies, and it just turns into a really gory zombie movie, and it's awesome. It's so good, and you need to watch it. So it's like that Call of Duty Nazi zombies thing from Call of Duty World War II. Yes, it is. It's like that if that was a movie, and it came out in, like, 2017, and it's absolutely unhinged. You you should check it out. Um, I had a really good time with that one. Um, but that is about oh, wait, I've much got, time. Uh, oh, I've got more? two more. Can I just quick fire them? Yeah, go. Okay. Schindler's List. Incredible. I already talked about the pianist, right? Um, also really quick one that I haven't seen, but my sister praises to the high heavens boy in striped pajamas. I hear it's amazing. Yeah. I've heard that as well. All right. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for joining us on uh, our longest episode. God, what is um, what is our I, I need to start having a stopwatch because we both just go and go like I'm doing right now. Um, thank you for joining us today on the Average Film Enjoyer. Again, if you are watching us on YouTube and you have made it to the end of this video, one, we appreciate you and we love you for supporting us. Um, please hit that subscribe button at the bottom. Hit the like button. And leave us a comment. Again, we're going to try to start doing a monthly uh, Q&A episodes. Um, we uh, are... Sorry, I can't, I can't stop thinking about what did he say? Um, if you have an idea for a draft um, or a bit that you would like to see on the podcast, like uh, the If You Like This, You Like This was an idea, I think, from... I think it was from Jet. Wasn't that from your grandma? Yeah. That, 
yeah, shout out Jagger's grandma for giving us the idea for this brand new awesome bit. Um, so, uh, and yeah, if you're on Spotify, uh, you can subscribe, you can leave us a review, uh, for five stars. That is the only kind of review that is allowed. Um, if you give us anything us. less, you will be, uh, officially banned from listening or watching our podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. and if you're listening on our Apple podcast, please subscribe, leave a, leave a review. Um, if you want to find us, I am Trey the Film Noob on TikTok and Twitter and Letterboxd, and he is Jagger Film Reviews, uh, or he's Jagger Movie Guy on Letterboxd, but also Jagger Film Reviews on no, okay. Twitter. Let me break this down for you. Jagger, oh, oh. so it's Jagger Film Reviews on TikTok, Jagger Movie Guy, Jagger the Movie Guy on Instagram, Jagger Film Reviews on Twitter, or X is it now? Uh, it's X, but we all know what we're really talking about. Yeah, and then on uh, Letterbox now it's Jagger Film Fan, which is starting oh, to grow yeah. on me. Yeah, Jagger Film Fan, go follow him on Letterbox. Go follow me on Letterbox. Um, follow us everywhere. We love the support. Um, I I went to sleep last night with a uh, 150 followers on TikTok. I woke up this morning with 170 followers. So, hey, those 20 new people, if you're listening to this podcast and you're the one that followed me, thank you. That was an absolute delight to wake up to, to 20 new followers. So, thank you. Um, I, I just crossed 100 on Letterboxd. I'm very proud of that. I've been telling oh, everyone yeah, let's that. Go. Dude, I've been rolling in the Letterboxd followers. It's wild. Um, we love the support. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you want to keep up, uh, on Tuesday, we will be dropping an episode with West Talks Films from TikTok. We are very, very excited to have them on. We are going to be reviewing uh, the film, Alfred Hitchcock film, uh, Rebecca. Um, so go check that out. Um, and again, thank you for joining us today on the Average Film Enjoyer podcast and listening to our shenanigans. Please join us again on Tuesday when we review Rebecca.